The state of Illinois is marking a sad milestone this week. Exactly one year ago, on March 12, 2020, Governor J.B. Pritzker declared a statewide disaster in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll try to recap what has happened since then and what kind of light we can now see at the end of the tunnel on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. In preparing for this podcast, I went back into what passes for our audio archives and I came across this. It was from January 24, 2020. Governor Pritzker was holding a bill signing ceremony at the Central County's Health Center in Springfield. The bill he was signing would help control the out-of-pocket costs of insulin. The governor stepped to the microphone, but before he talked about the insulin bill, he had another announcement to make. Uh, but before I continue with today's program, I have a few words on an unrelated topic. This morning, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced confirmation of the first case in Illinois of novel coronavirus in an individual who traveled to the city of Wuhan in central China. At this time, the risk to the general public remains low. This is the second confirmed case in the United States, and the individual in question did not get the virus in Illinois. The number of people that she came in contact with since returning to the United States is small. Most importantly, I want to assure Illinoisans that we are closely monitoring this situation and taking every precaution. Despite the precautions, it wasn't long before public health officials detected community spread of the disease, and within a matter of weeks, the state would go into lockdown. As of March 12th of this year, the Illinois Department of Public Health has recorded just over 1.2 million confirmed or probable cases of the disease and, tragically, 20,901 deaths. So what have we learned over the ensuing year? What stands out in your mind? And how close are we to getting through this pandemic? Here to talk about that is the Capital News Illinois team, Jerry Nowicki, Sarah Manser, Raymond Troncoso, and our public affairs reporting program interns from the University of Illinois Springfield, Grace Barbic and Tim Krasinikas. So Jerry, let me start with you. Uh, do you remember where we were, or what we were doing uh, when this was declared a pandemic and the state started going into lockdown? Yeah, so we were uh, in the office probably covering some of that stuff remotely. Um, and that essentially became our life for the next year was covering things remotely through video streams and submitting questions online. It was certainly a learning curve for everything um, in that regard, uh, not to mention every other uh, learning curve that we all faced in the next 12 months. Yeah, I think uh, that's when we started learning about Zoom and started using it every day, like a lot of people all over the country. Uh, Sarah, let's turn to you. Uh, you weren't at Capital News Illinois at that time. I think you were at the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin uh, before you came over here. Uh, what do you remember about the early days of the pandemic? 
Yeah, I I, uh, I believe I was also in the office, um, even though I was uh, working for the, the law bulletin. I was just down the hall from you all. And um, um, yeah, I think one of my, uh, one of the most striking uh, things I remember was the, um, the shortage of, of household items, but particularly toilet paper and Clorox wipes and sanitizer and um, a lot of journalists and other people visiting the grocery store just taking pictures of the empty shelves um, because they had been completely uh, wiped out. And, um, you know, I think now we have, you know, we have an easier time getting those products, but um, obviously we still are uh, working remotely and um, wearing masks. And so a lot, a lot is, is obviously very different, even though this, the supply of toilet paper is back. <laughs> I do remember going through a grocery store one time and I saw a guy pushing a cart that he had filled all the way over the top with toilet paper. And I just thought, man, what are you doing with, you know, they'll make yeah. more, you know, um, but yeah. I think they still have like uh, limits, you know, like limit two or something, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, Raymond Troncoso, I believe you were still in Florida when the pandemic broke out and you moved up here to Illinois uh, right in the middle of it. Uh, what was your experience like in the early days? Well, uh, you know, shortages at supermarkets in Florida. There wasn't really as much of a lockdown there as there was in Illinois. Um, it seemed like there was a sort of reluctance to accept what was happening, as in many states with uh, that tend to have Republican legislatures or governors. But, you know, there, there was very much a difference. You know, national parks were closed down. Um, there was a limit for how many egg cartons you could buy at my local supermarket. So, you know, we felt the effects as much as anyone else. As for moving in the middle of a pandemic, that was, you know, certainly an experience. Okay. And uh, Grace, I want to turn to you, both Grace and Tim. Uh, this probably isn't what you expected when you signed up for the public affairs reporting program or when you thought you were going to do a state house internship. Haven't spent a lot of time in the state house. Uh, so, Gray, how diff Grace, how difficult has it been for you and your peers in that program? Yeah, so I remember um, I was still in my undergraduate um, program when the pandemic happened, and um, I went to Illinois State University. And so when the when everything first broke out, um, I was reporting on it as a student journalist, and I remember. I was already home. I was on spring break and I was thinking, you know, I was going to be home for the next two weeks and then I was going to be back at school. Um, and, you know, around this time we found out that ISU was going to be extending their spring break for another two weeks. Um, and everyone was celebrating at the time until we realized that, you know, we would never be able to go back to campus and um, finish out our senior year as you would normally. Um, so then, you know, I was looking for jobs and it was pretty difficult. And so I knew I wanted to go away to school. So I decided to um, try this program. And yeah, I think everyone was sort of hopeful that, you know, we would be mostly online 
um, for some of it, but we thought that, you know, we'd be getting back to, to normal and being in person. Um, but, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen, but it's definitely been, been a learning curve and a learning experience, but, um, you know, virtual seems to be the new normal. Um, so I just, you know, I'm happy to be here. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that eventually we can return to face to face because, um, I definitely miss that human interaction. And Tim, how's it been for you? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, you know, thinking back on uh, the course of the past year. And um, I would say, actually, that I, I wouldn't maybe even be in the PAR program had it not been for the pandemic. I was actually working for uh, the St. Charles History Museum, my hometown uh, museum, um, as the uh, marketing manager there. Um, and have we were, you know, just like any other nonprofit uh, in the outset of the pandemic, we're just really hit hard financially. And it was starting to become kind of more apparent that I might not be able to stay on in my full time role. Um, so I had uh, applied for the PAR program in the past, decided not to do it a couple of years back. Um, but then um, I kind of took it as an opportunity that you know, if we were going to be uh, in lockdown for a year or, you know, under these restrictions for a year that maybe um, I'll take the opportunity, go back to grad school and uh, increase my career prospects moving forward. And and so far, it's it even with the hybrid and all the technology, it's been an incredible experience really being uh, uh, at the front line of state government and then sharing these important stories uh, that are so important to everyone all around the state every day. Uh, Jerry, want to go back to you. Uh, one of the things that stands out in my mind uh, shortly after the pandemic uh, got going was the daily news conferences that the governor and IDPH director, Dr. Ngazi Ezeke, were having. Um, and I guess, you know, it started off, we were taking turns covering those each day. There were a lot of milestones along the way. Uh, some of those news conferences were... Uh, maybe more significant than other others. Uh, are there any that stand out in your mind? Uh, I don't know if there's any one that particularly stands out, but I mean, it was just a grueling um, sort of transition into that working from home phase when you had to cover those. You had to have somebody covering those um, every single day, um, you know, as well as anyone that we had to sort of end up scheduling around who could get a couple days off here or there. And, um, but the other part of it was you're just, you're just watching these numbers sort of like, I don't know, um, you're watching the numbers go up and up and up. And, and it's just, you lose the sort of human connection with it when you're just looking at spreadsheets every day. And it's, it's hard to really put that into words or whatever in terms of how the impact of the pandemic had on just every single thing that we know. I remember it really hit me when March Madness was canceled, uh, the basketball tournament that is. I know you're a big Jayhawks fan. I'm sorry that uh, COVID has now cost them this year's Big 12 tournament. But anyway, that's when it sort of really became real to me. Um, yeah, and then I, day I, after day after that. I kind of remember one day we were sitting down here and uh, we got news that um, the Big 12 tournament was about to start. And then we got news that it was being canceled. And then the NCAA tournament got canceled. 
and then Major League Baseball announced they were uh, postponing the start of their season. And it just seemed like in the course of one afternoon, all of American society just ground to a halt. And nobody knew where this was going, how long it was going to last. Uh, Sarah, turn back over to you. Um, I guess one of the most difficult things uh, people have had to deal with uh, was for the longest time, uh, retail stores were closed, bars and restaurants were closed. Um, so it wasn't just that your work life changed, but everybody's social life changed. Uh, it was no longer safe to gather in crowds. Uh, and, you know, for relatively young people, that had to have been hard, wasn't it, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was tough. I think, um, it was, it was, uh, difficult to adjust to that. And I think a lot of people, I know I'm, I'm one of them that just sort of, uh, decided to, um, you know, just kind of like go on walks just because there was no where to go necessarily. So you could just walk outside. <laughs> um, but I do remember uh, Springfield uh, had its St. Patrick's Day open. So people were able to go to the bars for St. Patrick's Day. And then I think just a few days later, the governor put out um, uh, the stay-at-home order. Um, and I recall also that in Chicago, the bars were open for St. Patrick's Day. So there were a lot of images of people, of young people walking, walking around uh, downtown and going to bars and restaurants for St. Patrick's Day. And um, that will probably be different this year, if I, if I had to guess. <laughs> and Jerry, let's go back to you talking about how uh, this has affected people's personal lives, even outside of work. Uh, you were going through a pretty big change right about that, t right about that time. Uh, you'd just recently been married. Uh, what else were you doing then? Yeah, so it was in it was funny when I heard Ray talk about moving during a pandemic and how that's an interesting experience. Well, that same day you noted earlier, talking about how basically one day everything um, that we knew it as we knew it changed. That was about the day we closed on our house um, that we had scheduled to close on our house here in Springfield. And then uh, the day of the shutdown order that you mentioned earlier, that was when we moved into the house. So um, we didn't expect that literally the whole first year we'd be here almost 24 seven, but uh, it was, it was good to have something to work on and keep us occupied. And so uh, many months have passed since then. Uh, one of the positive developments, I guess you would say, uh, was that in a record amount of time, pharmaceutical labs were able to develop safe and effective vaccines. Uh, I know that uh, the rollout of that was has been kind of rocky, or it was rocky at first. Uh, so, Jerry, uh, tell us where we stand now. I mean, uh, how rapidly is the virus still spreading? Uh, does it look like we're going to be able to get uh, vaccines to everybody? Yeah, um, it, the positivity rates and hospitalizations are about as low as they've been since the pandemic began, which is good. Um, and then, of course, President Biden said last night that he'd like to make everyone eligible for a shot by May 1st. Um, I think the governor noted today in a news conference that he's glad the president said that uh, infrastructure wise. I have 
I have a feeling it's going to be hard for all of us to get appointments. Everyone's going to be lining up on May 1st. You're probably going to see some website backlogs and all that. But um, in terms of where we're at, in, in terms of a state government, I'm happy that there's committee hearings to cover again. I'm happy that the wheels of government are in motion outside of the governor's executive orders. Uh, the, the General Assembly is stepping back up now and uh, seems to be interested in fulfilling their role as a co-equal branch of government. They they didn't meet too much in the past year. Um, obviously, there were health concerns, but also they didn't take the action necessary to have some of these remote committee hearings until, until January, at least in the House. The Senate had some before that, but uh, I'm glad to see things looking a little bit more normal if even if we still have to take those precautions to keep away from each other and wear our masks and wash our hands and, and be safe. Okay, well, we're going to leave it there on that note. That'll do it for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock on behalf of the entire news team saying stay safe and thank you for listening.